0: architects are very uh, keen to improve the system and they are always trying to uh, to convince their commissioners in terms of implementing some increasing the quantity of light, for example, natural light, or uh, increasing the amount of vegetation inside the built environments. But at the end of the day, it depends on the commissioners. And I think that is the main problem as uh, as, as in our systems, that the decisions are made uh, by the same prison service. And because of in, in, in the United States, for example, the main issue that architects and also the prison staff, the high level prison staff told me that they feel that there is a huge lack of education and knowledge from the people that give the money for from constructing prisons so they just make decisions based on economic factors and not based on how they will affect finally to the users
1: hi i'm naomi murphy and this is the locked up living podcast where we talk with a wide range of people about harsh aspects of institutional life
2: we also explore some of the ways to overcome them and to grow and develop. I'm David Jones. So join us every Wednesday morning, 6 o'clock UK time, for a fresh podcast. Welcome to today to Dr. Alberto Urrutia Molde. Alberto holds a PhD in prison architecture from the University of Sheffield. He's a lecturer in construction in the partnership programme of the University of Bath Spa and GBS in Manchester. He's also a lecturer in prison built environment at the Center for Public Innovation in Latin America and an international consultant in prison architecture. As a consultant, he's currently working on the evaluation of carceral conditions and their alignment with the Nelson Mandela rules in the prison services of Bolivia and Honduras. So Alberto left Chile in 2014 to start studies of his PhD in the UK, and he conducted a cross-continental study in prison architecture, which is the base of his book, recently published by Routledge called Health and Well-Being in Prison Design, a Theory for Prison Systems and a Framework for Evolution. Welcome, Alberto.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here.
1: We're really delighted to get you on Alberto. You came highly recommended by Dominique as someone who would make a great guest and I really enjoyed the book chapters that you sent us to read so thank you for those. Alberto, before we get started, can you describe your career pathway for us? How did you come to be specialising in the study of prison architecture and are there many people specialising in this?
0: I start... My career as a construction engineer in Chile, working in the in in the private sector for five years, and after that I started working in the prison service in Chile. Uh, I really didn't know what I was going to face in the prison service, and when I accepted to work there, and it was quite an experience because I was very used to work with a high level of budget building buildings and the prison service at that point had a very low budget for maintenance of all the 24 prison facilities that i was in charge in the maintenance and refurbishing so i faced a very bad uh, situation in terms of how people lived in prison how not only people that are imprisoned, but also staff. From the beginning, it was challenging to try to improve the situation in the prison in the region in, of Chile that I was working. So far, it was okay. I didn't have many complications with the perspective of prisons from a new professional in the area working there. Until around 2004, when I, somebody that I knew very well uh, was sent to prison, to one of the prisons that I was in, in charge of the maintenance and the refurbishments. And I experienced how this person was really not only affected, of course, for being sent to prison, for being in, in, in touch with the criminal system, but also how the buildings and the build environment uh, plays against his own health and his own sanity. So I, I witnessed how somebody that I knew was really damaged by the prison conditions. And that was que- a big bell sounding and an alarm. So the, from this Moment, I started to try to understand how to really improve the system. In 2011, I organized with the University of Biobío in Concepcion, in Chile, the first conference in prison design and prison architecture held in Chile. And at that point, it was an international conference. We invite people from Latin America. But I realized that Latin America, we were all in the same boat. In the same kind of prison conditions, bad prison conditions, overcrowding and without a clear north in our compass about where to go with the design. So that was the trigger for me to try to find out how how to improve the system and I decided to uh, apply for a scholarship in Chile to study in England to study prison architecture, and how that's how I came here. Yeah, there is no much architects or designers work in research in prison architecture. I have been in touch with some of the few people that are from the area of architecture working in this. I, I know an architect in. Uh, Australia, for example. I know there is uh, one architect in the University of West London, Elena Pombares, who is searching in architecture for human prison. There is uh, an Italian uh, architect, uh, three Italian architects that I know that are researching the area, uh, and one architect in uh, Romania, who is not really now researching in architecture, but she crea- she made a study, a very good study that I considered and I took the basis for my research, which is uh, Adina Boldan. So yeah, there is no much people working in the area and, and it really needed.
1: It sounds very, very niche. And yet, of course, we build so many prisons, don't we? I was curious about why you chose to come to England rather than, say, the Netherlands or Scandinavia, where they might have a different attitude towards incarceration.
0: It was quite a journey. I applied. Uh, I was looking for where to study. I look for uh, universities in Australia. I look for universities in the United States. And I looked at the university here in the UK. UK have a tradition of, or, or has the history of being the first country in, uh, doing a very big change on how imprisonment is considered and how built and designed prisons. My, ten, my decision was made a bit with lack of knowledge of how is because there is no really maybe today it is but 6 years ago there wasn't in Chile very well knowledge about where to go to study architecture in prisons
1: thank you and um, y- I think as you're talking, it raises the issue if there's so few people studying it and yet we build worldwide, so many prisons are built, it raises an issue about the morality of prisons. And one of the things I enjoyed about your book was reading, was seeing how much moral philosophy you draw upon and, and thinking about what's the moral context for designing prisons, other common moral principles that architects of prisons should adhere to.
0: Yeah, in in my book, I started to... Put in the basis, the moral basis of the book, and second chapter. I based my research in a theory of well-being, which analyzes not only well-being is a subjective experience, but it can be measured. So I use a theory that it has been proven good theory to be to measure well-being, which is a Perma theory. And I, my initial point of view is the was that if we will build prisons and we will uh, say that prison could help a society, we have to start thinking that prison should promote health and well-being. It should promote each of the perma component of well-being, which is positive emotions, engagement, to generate relationship, good relationship between people, to promote meaning in every single detail that we design and pro- provide accomplishment for people. So the prison it, it should be designed to promote health and well-being. Not only insist. In people that is sent to prison, but also in people who worked in prison, who at the end of the day is the prison is the the people that have more time inside prison. Not even more even than uh, people in prison. Yeah, that's the first point. And then my second position is that prison should promote rehabilitation. Not only health and well being, but they should promote rehabilitation, whatever you want to call it, or rehabilitation, or, rein, or social reinsertion, or promote uh, uh, criminal disengagement. And as a third principle, I said that prison, when are designed and were built, it has to be built, consider both initial points, designing for health and well being. And designer for rehabilitation as a matter of uh, public policy and not giving the uh, decision just to each architect in each project.
1: Thank you. And I think, as as you were talking, I suppose in some ways those factors sound like principles that architects of any kind of public buildings might have to consider, if certainly the sort of health. And well-being, I imagine, and maybe if rehab was focused on assisting people to reintegrate in society. But are there other kind? Of, what kind of variables and principles do architects have to think about ordinarily if they were designing public buildings more generally?
0: In when we are designing any public building, there are many typical elements that is needed to consider. From the, I would say practical elements that are related with the, how to provide the uh, accommodation in, in terms of other buildings, in how to uh, provide the minimum elements that each objective of the building required. If we are talking about hospitals, for example, how to provide good accommodation with space, with lighting, uh, in case of schools or educational areas, uh, decisions, and the design has to be aligned with the purpose of the building, which is make the best physical condition possible in order to help the people to learn. In in, in case of uh, we are designing an office that will receive public, we again, we will uh, take a look carefully to the objective of that building or that institution and that is the problem with prisons when we analyse the objectives of prison that is a very blurry scenario.
1: Yes it seems as though the kind of like the functions of prisons are a bit at odds with each other partly about safety and keeping people off the streets partly about rehabilitation and then the public often I think also wanting to see punishment. I was curious about how you personally balance the functions, the many functions that are
0: there for prisons. You are absolutely right. Prisons, the problem with prisons is that there are too many objectives and many of them are contradictory. And because of that, it's really difficult to say, okay, we will design this or build this prison to fulfil the objective because Maybe it will go against another objective. How I managed? I am very practical. I, my background is engineer. I studied construction engineer first, and then I went for another bachelor in industrial engineer. So I'm very practical and say, okay, the building has to fulfill the more important uh, objective, and uh, the objective should be something that we all agree that prison has to have a purpose, a real useful purpose for society. Not to punish people just to punish, but thinking that those people are crossing a pathway, they are in a process to being uh, transformed, if you want, in a human being valuable for society. So if we, don't, if we cannot do that, prisons really doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to have prisons. I expect a prison to be built, to be designed, each decision be made, looking at how this decision, this design can help us to reach that goal.
1: As you were talking just then and also earlier, I wondered, Alberto, whether you seem to be saying there's like a moral responsibility for the people who are responsible for building prisons, so governments and the commissioners of these, to be thinking about some of these questions about what the function of the prison is for in terms of the purpose of the architect and what some of the principles should be. Have I got that right in terms of your thinking?
0: Yeah, there is, some, what I have found in my research is that there is, in different countries, there is different way of uh, interacting between architects and authorities, prison authorities when design prisons. And this is one of the aspects that we have to take in consideration when we, as a researcher, as a professional in the area, make any proposition, we cannot be very... Open to plan to say give one proposition that could be applied everywhere because there are fundamental differences between countries, between the criminal systems, and between also a personal perspective, so societal perspective through, through our revert, uh, imprisonment. So it has to be considered all these aspects. I took those uh, differences and my first complication in doing international research in prison was that one, was, okay, well, I I want to understand how to build a good prison, how to design a good prison, but why there is so many differences in how prison is understood in each country and how this will affect me to find a, a solution, it, 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 it puts me to create some tool in order to understand these differences and try to manage and grasp them. So that is why I, when I read a research made for Adina Moldan that she proposed a, a classification of prison buildings in terms of four different type of buildings, I use the classification and I create and proposed in, in, in my book, theory of prison models. Not only uh, classify the building, but uh, understand that they are different ideal models of prison systems, including the buildings, including the Prison organization and the uh, the objectives that each organization have. I want to show you here what I am talking about. When I create this theory, I identify three different dimensions, which is they are present in every prison service. They are always uh, together. And At some point, one, one dimension could be very minimal and another could be very big. The security dimension, which is related with from, uh, avoid the escape and generate safe environments for, this, for the staff, and prevent a riot, for example. The punitive dimension that is more related with punishment, with uh, make feel the people that is sent to prison that they are being punished and try to uh, generate some uh, uh, idea to the rest of the people that if they behave in the same way, they will be punished. And the third dimension of that is rehabilitation, which is uh, change behavior of people to in to help people that have not been uh, have not had good conditions to grow that, as a person, in order to make them better citizens. So, I, based on these dimensions, I uh, defined three basic models of prison systems. The security model, which is the prison system that is uh, uh, focused in in avoiding escape and avoid riots. The rehabilitation model, which is focused in create rehabilitation, in transform people. And the repressive model, which is more focused in punishment and uh, make the inmates or the prisoners feel that they are there being punished. I have to make the I have to say that these are ideal models. There is no prison service that is exactly just rehabilitation model or just a security or just repressive. These are ideal models in order to measure how far or how near every prison service is from them. So I also identify that is some a, a common area in the middle where a prison service could have exactly the same level of security, rehabilitation, and repression at the same time. And that is called the hybrid model. So with this framework, we can identify different prison services and identify how far or how close they are from the ideal But that's a tool that I I use to understand why we have, for example, the, the North American United States Prison Services are really focused in security, in avoid riots, in avoid escape. They also have rehabilitation. They have, but this is not their first objective. In prisons like in many countries in, in, in Africa or Middle East, that repression is in the uh, avoidance of human rights is part of the process of imprisonment, they are more related with repressive model. Then Scandinavian, for example, they are more related with rehabilitation. The first objective is, is change of behavior and uh, recover a person as a good member of the society. And there are a, a group very important group of countries that they love the system, the American system of security, and they want to be like that system, but they don't have the money to in, in, implement this system because it's very expensive. They have still repressive elements, that you can see easily in those kinds of countries that uh, human rights are violated inside prisons. But they talk about rehabilitation as the objective of the prison service, but they don't have the money, neither the intention to really invest in rehabilitation. So those countries are more focused in the hybrid model. And I would say in the hybrid model, most, if not all, the Latin American countries are uh, near to that model.
1: It's very interesting to see this, Alberto, to see your model, and we'd encourage any listeners to check out the YouTube video in order to see any of the pictures you're describing. But I suppose what your model makes clear is that for somebody being tasked with designing a prison, it's really important to understand what those priorities are because actually you could end up designing something that actually fits with a very different set of priorities but I also wondered does it cause a an internal moral conflict for you in terms of which of the prisons would you ideally be designing and what if you were asked to design a a prison that was only on the was primarily on the repressive model for instance and whether you'd be comfortable with that.
0: I don't think I have any uh, conflict of principles. I made very clear in in, in the book that my intention is to find a way how the security model and the hybrid model can evolve toward a rehabilitation model. Uh, I said clearly that uh, my ideal is that that prisons should be uh, a rehabilitation and therapeutic environment. I didn't consider in my research the repressive model because of the re- incongruences between repressive environment and the promotion of health and well-being. I I did visit prisons in the hybrid model in Chile, visit prisons in the United States, in different states of the United States, but I'm mainly in Kentucky, and also visit prisons in Scandinavia, in, in Norway and Finland to understand how we, the other models, can evolve toward a rehabilitation model. And what they, what in the Scandinavian prison services, what they did to be transformed, because they they have not been like that uh, forever, is there is a a change in paradigm in, in Scandinavia around the, 1960s that start in the years that are the responsible for what the Scandinavian prison service are today. So my intentions was first understand how they evolved in order to try to understand how we can evolve.
1: Thank
0: you. you. It seems to me looking at your diagram
2: that you're talking about A hybrid model in another sense as well, because you're talking about not just the physical characteristics of the building, but you're talking about the development of a culture within those walls. And at what point does the architect or somebody like yourself get involved with engaging with the commissioners of the project to produce the
0: particular outcome? It's complicated when you are inside the prison service in a hybrid model, for example. These prison services used to hire architects or designers to work for them, which I don't think is the best situation for improving the system. In the case of the security model, they hire architect offices External architect offices that have uh, experience designing prisons, but again they are third part that they are being paid to create this environment. I I know in in the United States architects are very keen to improve the system and they are always trying to uh, to convince. Their commissioners, in terms of implementing some increasing the quantity of light, for example, natural light, or uh, increasing the amount of vegetation inside the built environments, but at the end of the day, it depends on the commissioners, and I think that is the main problem as, uh, as, as in our systems that the decisions are made uh, by the same prison service. And because of, in in the United States, for example, the main issue that architects and also the prison staff, the high-level prison staff told me that they feel that there is a huge lack of education and knowledge from the people that give the money for, for constructing prisons, so they just make decisions based on economic factors and not based on how they will affect finally to the users. And the same thing in the hybrid model in Chile, architects and authorities, used to say that there is a lack of commitment from who make the order to build or design a prison. There is lack of knowledge about how the prison affects the people. But in in both cases, we have this situation that we are all involved in the problem. They are too close of the problem. What I found in the rehabilitation model that was really uh, enlightening, both in Norway and and I know also in other countries in Scandinavia, is that they had a, a very clear differentiation of who administrate the prison system, which is the prison service, who owns the building, which is also a governmental institution, but it's not the prison service. And who and who design it? In, in in this case, the the second or the other institution normally is the one that owns the building, and is responsible for the maintenance of the building, and is responsible for the that the building has to fulfill the in, institutional purpose of the prison service. So. There is a close relation with them in terms of create a good product that help the prison service to, to its purpose, but also there is responsibility of maintenance and a responsibility of the value of the, built in the building from the part of this third-party institution. That is, I think, it's one of the... Important thing that I learned from the rehabilitation model that we should try to take a careful look how it worked because uh, for them it worked very well.
2: But I think there are other factors that come into play, aren't there? I was thinking earlier on in the conversation about private prisons, and of course, most of our prisons in this country used to be private prisons. And often quite small. I was listening to a a lecture about one of our poets, John Donne, who for a short period was locked up in a private prison, prison in I think it was Fleet Street in in London. But then political times changed, and then most of our prisons were owned and run by the state. And now, of course, the state wants to privatise quite a lot of our prisons and it seems to me that the state does this and correct me if you think I'm wrong the state likes to privatize things when it wants to abdicate from some responsibility for rehabilitation for those softer parts of the prison service.
0: Would you agree? Yeah I agree. I agree and I think the problem with the privatization it's not the concept is itself. If you think, if you are externalizing services of the government, it's not bad. It's not bad itself. The problem with prisons, I have to make the differentiation between private prisons and concession prisons because in here in the UK we have private prisons. In countries like Chile, also in I think in Australia, you have concession prisons. The private sector builds the prison, but the prison is run by the prison service. And the, cons- the the private sector is responsible for maintenance of the prison, for providing services, food, even rehabilitation programs, like, I don't know, maintain clean the clothes of the people that is there, are there, laundry services. So, there is a difference, practical difference between private and concession. But in both cases, I think the most complicated thing is how to measure and where to put the incentives for the business, because at the end it's a business. If you pay by the quantity of, in, of people that is in prison, is a really uh, dangerous way of, of putting incentives in quantity of people imprisoned. So at the end, the more, the, the bigger the number of prisoners that you have, the more money you will obtain as a company. And uh, the problem in, at least in the Chilean prison service that I studied and I know more, more closely, it was the that the incentives were placed in the wrong place. Today, the prison service is not in in the concession prisons in Chile, that there are seven, eight concession prisons. They are not only, they are good environments, but they are really expensive for the government because of the incentive was placed in the wrong place. And they are not really... better system than the traditional prisons in terms of rehabilitation, in terms of well-being. Thank you. So there is a big
2: emphasis in our prison service, at any rate, about trying to be trauma-informed at the moment, but this can really only be effective if people feel safe. What kind of contribution can people like yourself Make to this?
0: If we can create prisons that are safe and prisons uh, that people who live there feel safe, we will create an environment in which we can start thinking about being therapeutic there is for example a research made in the united states that said that the most the place in, inside the prison where uh, the inmates feel more unsafe is the showers so if we can understand where people feel unsafe and why we can try to improve that situations. Now, in, in that case, it's not just, uh, it's not as simple as an architectural solution. It's not as simple as putting a wall or putting a window or putting even a camera. It's, it has to be understood as a system in terms of complexity in terms of the there are many relations uh, between elements that has to be considered and this has been very uh, well understood by concept of dynamic security applied for by the uh, mainly by the rehabilitation model uh, prison services in which the security security of the prison itself depends not only on very basically in terms of the physical thing, but in how prisoners are treated by the staff, how they feel in terms of staying with somebody that is helping you, is coaching you, or somebody that is just guarding you. It's, it's a system that required a lot of more people working in the system. It's expensive because it's very uh, human resources demanding but at the end have been proved somehow that is going in the right direction. If you see for example the Norwegian uh, prison model they have one uh, around one uh, staff per inmate. The, in, in the same case in Finlandia, but they have really low levels of uh, of people going to back to prison. Mm. So it has proved that it is I don't know I will not say the solution, but they are pointing to the right north. I ask you Alberto
1: do, so in your model, would that account for action that might be taken for one Reason, but might actually have another consequence. So, I'm just thinking, for instance, about uh, Dominique Moran's work on green space, which, on the face of it, might appear to be a well being kind of initiative, but actually leads to lower levels of self harm and violence if prisons have more green space. So, the intention might actually be about rehab, but actually might contribute to a more secure prison in the sense of there's more safety there.
0: I will say that we have to be very professional. We are, you will expect that prison services are very professional in terms of putting the right people in the right place. But normally in, in the world, you can see that prison is applied as the only reason for many problems. Even uh, psychological problems, the United States has today a very uh, big problems because prisons are receiving people that are not being treated for psychological problems because their healthcare system in that part is not working well. The Same in America, we don't have many psychiatric hospitals. And at the end is the prison that is receiving all this kind of population. So if is as a society, we don't understand that you have to have the right institution for the right person. The prison will not work any anyway. So I, I want to show you, for example, this is one photography of a Chilean prison. It's the big, one of the biggest prisons in Santiago de Chile. It's the oldest prison in the country built in the 1860s, 1840s and uh, still working. It was designed for 600-700 people and without much in built surface, uh, today it has 4000 people.
1: I wonder Alberto if you could just describe it a little bit for people who are listening to the podcast only as an auditory thing, whether you could just pull out the yeah. key features that you think are distinctive um, what, in this picture.
0: What in the in prisons in, in Latin America is first of all very old buildings. We thought of problems of maintenance because the prison services have to run with very low level of budget and almost nothing in terms of budget for refurbishing. Are for maintenance. So you have many problems of sewage problem, for example, or uh, humidity inside the the building. Windows are normally very small and full of of, uh, bars and metal mesh to avoid the people to escape from the cell. Because they are built in, in this, with considering a design that will maintain them in the close space as long as possible. We have spaces very crowded, very overcrowded, with places that can have, I would say, in, in this prison, for example, in, in the Santiago Sur prison you can have spaces with less than one square meter per person which is horrible if you think you are if you are normally with people that you don't know. Even in a crowded house you can't really imagine one people per square meter. If you analyze what's the kind of prison that we have in this in the United States in this if you understand that as a country that is most close to the security prison model, we will see if, if prisons, for example, the uh, Chicago Metropolitan Correctional Center, which is a building of, I don't know, 27 stores, which is a fortress with le- very little windows. And each floor is a different section of the prison inmates there have very little contact with sunlight or with fresh air. And they, this is a prison that is in the middle of a huge city with uh, a lot of uh, skyrise buildings. And But in inside is very similar to what is shown in the, the New Orleans uh, County Jail, a triangular building with uh, cells in each side. And when people is inside the building, the 20, 24 hours a day, and they have contact with the contact with nature that they have is just fresh air, some sunlight, and that's it. And they are there twenty four hours a day.
1: The cargo prison looks quite doesn't look very safe to me. How you think that when it's so it's effectively a, a small skyscraper and. Yeah. I suppose you think if there was disturbance in one part of the prison, lower down the prison, that would potentially pose problems for every layer above that.
0: Exactly. Now, they are treated as different prisons at the end of the day. They are like enclosed, like clusters in each part of the building. So they can isolate problems. But anyway, it's like being living inside a pressure kettle (laughs) you can't really uh, enjoy anything about life so you can see uh, and understand why there are so many uh, psychological problems in prisons in this kind of buildings on the other hand if you go to traditional prisons in the u.s you can find a lot of very heavy metal doors and uh, elements that are visually uh, aggressive and are telling you a clear message that you are dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those
1: that's... cells give, very much give the impression of animals in cages, don't they? The fact there's no privacy whatsoever
0: exactly in, in the spaces. Exactly. Now, if we analyze what the Scandinavians are proposing as a new understanding of prison is dividing the prison's areas in small areas, just like the Americans did in terms of dividing by floors, like in Chicago. But uh, each area has to be managed as a Little society, and they do not accept more than twelve uh, persons living in each uh, section, for example. And they have to understand how to live in community. They have to prepare their own food. They have to. Pre- they have to, recreation areas inside. They have the kitchenette and. Of course, each one of them has the room with a bathroom. and they live there, but they have to go outside to another place to work or to study or to go for doing sports or worship. In a daily basis, the idea of the prison services create a routine of normality, as being living a normal life. And this picture that I will show here is one of prison in Norway, in Bergen, which was built in 1990s. And you can see it's a village surrounded by, by a big wall, but it's a village inside, a village that is separated by security areas in which people are passing through different levels of security depending on the level of improvement that they can show in the process and inside it's like living in a small village the same is the same concept that they create here in the 1990s was used to create the most modern or the first most modern prison that they built in near, nearby Oslo, which is Halden Prison. You can see the Halden Prison is again a village surrounded by a big wall, but inside they have a number one, which is the administration area, and the uh, spaces for living, for inmates to leave, like number two, five, or six. And also they have separately the area in which they teach the uh, people that is living there. They have a workshop to teach them not only in terms of education, formal education, but also training them in, in, in jobs that are demanded in the society and not any job. They s- select jobs that are useful in society. And you have a little visitor center where the people can receive their families, their, their wife their, or, or their uh, partner and child. And outside the prison, they have a half halfway houses. So it's again a process of, okay, if you are doing well here, you will go to halfway houses outside the, the prison. This is an area, for example, in the administrative area the, where staff used to have lunch or dinner. And it is an area built with the Scandinavia, Scandinavian standard. And what always has have have been said to my uh, colleagues and people that is listening in it, talk that I talked to Latin America, you cannot expect to copy the standard from Scandinavia. You have to understand Mm -hmm. that is the standard and that is the normal way of living there. We in Chile or Colombia or Peru, we have another standard, another normality. And I say that because when we are looking, for example, to the areas where people is going to study or work, this is an area, for example, where they are for the chapel of the prison, where people can go there and pray in whatever is your belief. They have beautiful libraries. With a a lot of information, a lot of type of book that is a really important part of the process of rehabilitation or socialization. They have, for example, this is what is very controversial uh, area uh, in terms of they have a a music and film laboratory uh, in which they teach people things related with music, with production, with filming. So they have very good stuff. It's a rich country and nobody can say anything about that. But they are teaching something that they, the people that is living there will use when they are outside. You can see in every part the use, the use of architectural features like taking advantage of daylight, taking advantage of beauty in every element that they design. The ceiling that is shown in that picture are elements that are soundproof that help to create an environment that is not noisy, because noise is one of the main problems in many prison services people that is in prison have to walk every day for this path to go to work to go to study to go to 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 the gym for example so they have they are forced to have a normal life and what staff told me many times in norway is one one, one staff told me we know that many of those people maybe doesn't have the don't have the possibility to have a bed, or to uh, to to understand how to cook. So here they have to learn how to live a good life. If you if we look at what in other prison services could be called cells, here are rooms with uh, furniture made with wood. Uh, though all those furnitures are created and built by the prison service with a specific and very complicated way of assembling in order to make it very difficult to disassemble. But if you look at the bed, if you look at, at the desk, you are looking at normal building, normal furniture. So people who is there, even though it's in an environment that in the beneath is very secure. It doesn't look a secure fortress.
2: In these these recent photos that you've been showing us, Alberto, you can see that a good architect has had input there. And they remind me, really, because this is hospital standard accommodation. This is what we would find in some of our forensic hospitals. And I suppose then the next question that we're probably not going to answer today is why are there these differing standards? What are the political and the social forces at play that leads to this big disparity? Wouldn't you agree with that, Naomi?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's quite interesting to see, isn't it?
0: The problem, I will say, is that the, in, some par, in some places, in some countries, there are no standards. In Latin America, for example, only Brazil and uh, Argentina they have standards for prison design, and Argentina had standard from prison design since twenty twenty. I think the problem is that there are not standards, and when there are not standards to obey by, you leave the door open to the prison service to design whatever they want, in order to use. The financial resources that they have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I learned from the United States, for example, that even though they have this very harsh environment, the improvements that the prison services in the United States have faced, most of them are because the prison services have faced months in courts because the standards in the United States are, are not made for or by the prison services. They are made by the, uh, correction, the American Correctional Association, for example, is one of them. They are optional for the prison services, but when they decide to use them, they are mandatory. They have faced a lot of court suits Because of that, they are improving and improving the system.
1: It's really interesting to see all these images and who you talking in such a thoughtful way about your work, Alberta. I'm just conscious that we're coming to the end of, yeah. of time. It's obvious that you spend a lot of time immersed in thinking about how best, how you can best contribute to the well-being of people who are imprisoned and even sharing that kind of early experience with your friend or contact who was imprisoned how have you looked after your own well-being during this process and seeing these different places and immersing yourself in people's stories
0: Watching in prison and even working in prison is is very emotionally demanding and i think i try to uh, take care of myself being very clear in creating a boundary between my professional interest and my personal interest. Before visiting Scandinavia, my way of dealing with this environment were only just being clear that when I am working on that, I'm working on that, but when I am out of it, I go outside. I visiting. I love photography. I go to the cities and take photographs of the buildings, of the people, talking with people, with no relation with prisons. When I visit Scandinavia, uh, Scandinavian prisons, I think it was also even better in terms for me, in terms of having. A north in my, com- in my personal compass. Uh, okay, this is something that they are doing something really good and is somehow is working very well. Of course, as every system they have falls, and, but there is something that they are doing that should be done everywhere. They are understanding the people that is in prison as a people that is it, it, worth for society that as a person that face another uh, different situations, different problems that lead them there, but they are recovering people. And all this way of understanding imprisonment helped me to have a, a possible better way of understanding imprisonment. And it's quite exciting to see how different countries today are looking at Scandinavia. The UK is designing the new prisons that are designing. Can, we, we can disagree in some things, but they are including a lot of Scandinavian concepts in their design.
1: Good to hear. Mm. Thank you so much, Alberta. It's been a really fascinating conversation. Thank you for sharing those photos. with us. You can hardly believe that's a, a prison, prison yeah. cell, prison room with that lovely view out the window.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great to meet you. And
0: thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me here.